All right, my peeps, we're back. We're back with Liminal Spaces Part 2. And today I will be discussing the concept of fear. I'm excited to dive in and share my insights. As always, questions, comments, and concerns can be directed to the link that you will find in the show notes for each episode. And that was my cat. So with all respect, let's get started. All right, my peeps. Day two, liminal space, part two, whatever. You may listen to it the day after part one, or you may come back to it later. It can be some pretty heavy stuff, liminal space, uh, and entering it. So enter when you are ready, you know? But concept of fear is what we're going to focus on today. And, you know, the concept of, of not being afraid we need to we need to sort of come away from that because it doesn't mean that you're going to ever experience like the absence of fear. Um, we're never going to experience plain old absence of fear. There will always be fear within us. Uh, but when Christ says, "Do not be afraid," that is something I hold on to as a reminder, and I encourage you to hold on to as a reminder as well. Uh, that this supernatural being, this supernatural force, that this cosmic Christ that is in all of our lives, that is in within us, um, as saying that everything belongs, everyone belongs, is saying, I know that you're going to be afraid, but do not be afraid. Trust me, trust God, trust Jesus, trust the Spirit, trust this cosmic Christ, trust someone that you may have never met, and that's scary. Trusting someone that you've never seen, that's scary. Trusting someone that you've maybe never felt this essence, this connection, this relationship, that's scary. And you may be wondering, why would I ever trust someone that I've never met? Why would I ever trust someone that I've never felt? And I think in a lot of ways, that's the beauty of of everything belonging and everything being connected. It's this dialectical relationship of, of us experiencing Christ in the every mundanity of life. When we walk outside, right, I see Christ everywhere. That's my experience. That's my connection. That's my relationship. And that's my perspective. And that may not be where you are today. That may not be where you are tomorrow. I say that to encourage you just as Jesus encouraged those he was ministering to try and shift your perspective. That's really what this whole thing ministry, spirituality, that's that's really what it's all about. And when you can walk outside and have this realization and this sort of epiphany of truly understanding and, and truly seeing Christ in everything and everyone and therefore everyone belonging, it's going to blow your mind. So I just want to prepare you for that. But in in regards to not being afraid, in regards to walking tall, even with and through fear, I wanted to read from the Gospel of Luke. And and this is uh, what we call in teacher world, a a think aloud, a read aloud, is, you know, when someone reads a text and they allow you to hear sort of their inner dialogue, their inner process of thinking through the text. And so that's what I'm going to model for you today. So let's get it started. 
Black Eyed Peas style. Why not? You know? <laughs> uh, so to set up the scene, this is a story of an encounter between Jesus and Simon Peter. Now, Simon Peter is an apostle, and he's got this brother named Andrew. And Andrew was a follower of JTB, also known as John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is also a cousin of Jesus. So <laughs> there's a little bit of a familial tree for you. But you have Andrew, who is this follower of JTB, and he's like, yo, bro, to his brother Simon. Come on, come with me. Let's go, let's go check out JTB and his cousin Jesus. So, you know, after Simon Peter and Jesus have met, I think it's something important to know and understand in terms of uh, Judaic tradition uh, specifically, is that the role of the rabbi, which is the role of Jesus, right? We we see him being referred to as rabbi teacher um, throughout the New Testament. And um, the role of the rabbi was a very hard title to earn. It was a very hard title to earn. Uh, there was a lot that went into having this title of rabbi. Uh, and there's a lot that actually goes into having the title of disciple as well. So in terms of becoming a rabbi, there's a lot of memorization, resuscitation, just like a lot of check marks that you have to get basically like, you know, when you're taking your driving test, if you were like me at 16 and ran a yellow light during it, you, you weren't going to get that check mark for understanding how the road works. Uh, so parents out there do not run yellow lights. That tells your children that it's okay to do it during their driving test. Sorry, mom. I love you. Um, but you know, in terms of becoming a rabbi, there's a lot of check marks. So you have to go and, and, and do a lot of different things. But even more than that, that when you reach this age to be a disciple in order to learn under a rabbi, y'all, I don't know about you, but I did not score perfectly on the SAT. Okay. I want you to think about it in terms of these high stake tests that a lot of us have taken in our lives, perhaps. And so just think, if you don't score something in a certain percentile, you may be less likely to be accepted to X college or Y college, whatever it may be. So in terms of becoming a disciple and learning under the rabbi, you got to be perfect. Like you have to be the best of the best to become a disciple under a rabbi. Now, Jesus is a rabbi, remember, and he had 12 disciples. And what is so cool, guys, what is so freaking cool about these disciples is that, like me, <laughs> in terms of the SAT and the score I got, uh, they were not the top 1% of their class. Let's just say that they were not going to an Ivy League, if you know what I'm screaming. So they're, they're what we would consider the have-nots of the world. Um, so that's something to think about. That's something I encourage you to think more deeply on. Um, and so maybe you have even felt in some, some context and, and some way that you're not good enough for Christ, or you're not good enough to know, accept, or have him in your life. And, and I just want to remind you that the people that were following Jesus at this time, they were not at the top either. They were, they were definitely, and I, and I don't even mean it in a negative way, but they were lower rung. They were lower hanging fruit in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that is something very special about the stories and the gospels and for something for us to think about. But I digress. Back to Andrew, back to Simon Peter, JTB, Jesus, cousins, 
cool. We're here. We're here. Uh, and one of the coolest things was when I read the Gospel of Matthew, um, and Matthew chapter one is actually the genealogy of Jesus. You know, we have to think about like where where was Jesus actually descending from in terms of genealog geneal that's a hard word to say, y'all genealogical roots. Um, because if you look at that genealogy in the Gospel according to Matthew chapter one, you'll see that there are names in there of women who would be categorized and identified as prostitutes. And, you know, that is something to think about. And that is something to think about in the essence and being of who God, who Christ, who the universe, who the, who the super spirit <laughs> is. And I just mentioned that to say that perhaps things are more intentional than we realize, you know? Um, everything in some regard is planned, even when it goes to crap, even when it goes downhill and we're chilling in a flood, right? For not 40 days and 40 nights, that's how long it rained. But when we're chilling in a flood for what seems like half a century or half a year, um, you know, there's, there's reason behind these these little instances, these little pockets of, huh, that's interesting. I never thought about it like that. So I just encourage you to, to definitely look into that, check into that for yourself. Uh, it, it may help you sort of overcome that hurdle of, of where you feel so othered and you feel so not part of the conversation when you are so part of the conversation and you are so welcomed to be in this conversation. You were chosen to be in this conversation. So again, guys, back to Luke. Sorry, so many tangents today, so many side notes, but I do think it's important for us to have a little bit of contextual um, grounding. So on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Guys, these words in the Bible, they are hard to pronounce, okay? <laughs> but I'm getting better, just like we're always getting better. And, um, you know, he's like, what people should be paying attention, paying attention to, okay, is that we are seeing two boats by the lake. Really cool when you actually go in and sort of look at the symbolism and the different um, – context and lexical word choice. Um, when we look at this of the boats by the lake, we can see that they're actually representing two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. So the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So if you can sort of think about it, if you were a fisherman and, and you had just been on the boat all night, which is where Simon Peter's at, okay? You'd been on this boat all night and you didn't catch anything. You're tired. You get back to the shore. You're washing those nets. You are tired and probably a little bit peeved uh, that you didn't catch anything. But when they get back to the shore, guess who asks Simon to uh, put out from the land a little bit? Uh, it's Jesus. So it's something interesting when you're reading the word and you you look and you see that, you know, he's on the land and now he's he's asking Simon to let him into his boat. And not just let him into his boat, but can you can you kind of get away from the shore a little bit? And when they're there, 
you know, we kind of are assuming like they're not too far from the shore, but just far enough, right? Just far enough because the main reasons Jesus and and God sending Jesus is so that he could, as I have said before, help change the world's perspective. So you have him on the shore and now he's in this boat and 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 there's this changing. There's this changing of perspective of 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 setting of where people and where characters are in this story. And he's teaching. And he sits down, and he's sitting in this boat, and he's taught the people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he says to Simon Peter, Now, I want you to put out into the deep. I want you to put out into the deep, and I want you to let down your nets for a catch. Again, Simon Peter has been out in the same boat all night, did not catch a single fish. Simon says to Jesus, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. They were out there all night and did not catch any fish. And now this dude, Jesus, this is Simon Peter in my mind. Now this dude, Jesus, is asking me to go out again? He's like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. He's asking me to pull out my boat into this deep water so what, I can be ridiculed again? So what, I can be humiliated again? Because we didn't catch anything. We were just there, Jesus. Okay, we were there all night. That's probably what he was thinking. I know that's what I would have been thinking. But Simon Peter says, at your word, I will let down the nets. And and when Simon Peter did this, girl, when Simon Peter did that, when he said, fine, Jesus, dude, I'll let, I'll let down my nets, okay? Even though in his mind, he's thinking, I'm going to let down these nets and I'm going to show Jesus that like literally nothing is going to come back into them. But when he did it, y'all, and he enclosed that net, a large number of fish came into that net. So many fish that their nets were breaking, that they had to signal from the deep in the boat to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both of those boats. So you have those two boats, remember? You have the Jews and the Gentiles now being full of fish. So full that they begin to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, oh my gosh, when he saw this, when he saw these two boats just overflowing with substance, you know, fish as substance, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart for me, for I am a sinful man. And, you know, how, how amazing is it for Simon Peter to have such a drastic change of faith in that moment, right? You know, he's hesitant, he's tired. He has no trust right now. He's not trusting. He doesn't have any faith that what Jesus has said will be true because he he just experienced it. He was just there at the same place. But when it starts happening, when, when these nets start filling with fish and the boats become overflowing with this catch, you know, Simon falls on his knees and he says, depart from me. Depart from me. And this is, of course, after Jesus has already asked him to follow him the first time. And, and, and so in that meeting with Andrew and John the Baptist, Jesus is like, you know, follow me. And Jesus says to Simon, 
but don't be afraid. You know, so they're back on the shore and, and, and he's saying, depart from me. I, I am not worthy of this. I did not trust you. There's no way I can follow you. There's absolutely no way. I, I have had little trust. I've had little faith, Jesus. And Jesus, being Jesus, still extends the hand. And all he says that you have to do is just leave everything and follow me. Because from now on, you will be catching men. And, you know, he didn't believe Jesus when he said, when you let down your nets, you will catch many fish. And I think one of the most beautiful moments in, in this boat on the water with Jesus and these fishes that we are so connected again to logic and reason. And I've said that before. And, and Peter is not far from, from what we experience every day of being tired, of being restless, of feeling like we're doing the same thing over and over again with little to no results. And yet here he gets in this boat with Jesus. And because he was just in that boat and he didn't catch anything, you know, this is the mysterious part. This is the liminal space. When he says to Simon Peter, go out a little deeper, he's asking Simon Peter to enter those liminal spaces of himself. He's asking Simon Peter to take a risk for in that liminal space, we all have the capacity. We all have the ability of entering. We just have to have a little bit of trust. Because a little bit of trust allows us to go deeper. And what happens? What happens when Simon Peter takes that risk? He ends up with a net full of fish. And then he realizes like, dude, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for Jesus. You know, he admits that I'm not good enough for you. I am a man of sin. I am a man of doubt. And that's, that's what I equate sin in that moment is that I am a sinful man. I'm a doubtful man. I'm not good enough for this risk, dude. But Jesus, like he do, comes back in and says, do not be afraid because you're going to be a catcher of men. So do not let this one experience deter you from the assignment that I have for you. So to go from a fisherman, right? to now a disciple. Simon Peter was a fisherman of great doubt. And now he's a disciple. Now he's in that top 1% of his class, technically, even though he, he probably didn't score really high. You know, he's now under Jesus, this rabbi. It's like the most important people are disciples under the rabbi. And Peter, he, he's a nobody, y'all. He's a fisherman. But Jesus sees him. And Jesus sees the potential in him. And, and so we have to take those risks. We have to go out into the deep waters because when we stay in the confines of logic and reason, trying to piece together, you know, the unexplainable, it can lead us to scarcity mindset. And scarcity mindset leads us to not feeling good enough. And not feeling good enough can leave us never never taking a step outside of our comfort zone. Um, and when we never take a step outside of our comfort zone, we're always going to think we're right. And 
you know, we're not feeling good enough and, and we're not feeling full is because we we lack trust. And and we see that in the story of Simon Peter, because he lacks trust, he he feels worthless and he doesn't feel worthy. And you know, having trust in yourself is seeing that Christ has given us these incredible freaking gifts, these incredible innate abilities for us to use for reason, for us to have compassion, for us to renew our thoughts, for us to change our perspective. You know, again, it's like the boats, being in the boats, teaching from the boats. He's asking Simon Peter to also change his perspective, to change his thinking. So let's change our perspective. Let's stop believing that we're not good enough to be here. Let's stop believing that just because yesterday you didn't catch any fish doesn't mean that you won't now. And, you know, again, I did not grow up going to church. I did not have the mindset of a believer for so long. And something I encourage us all to do is to take on a beginner mindset, to take on a mindset of, I don't know much, but I'm willing. I'm willing to learn. So every time you think, you know, Jesus isn't for you, Christ isn't for you, just remember, he hung out with the people that nobody wanted to hang out with. He asked people to follow him that nobody else asked to follow. It isn't about being the best, y'all. If anything, I believe wholeheartedly it's about being the worst. And it's about how do you go and take the worst of you? How can I go and take the worst of me and use it for good? The dark parts of yourself and use them for good. The shadow and your ego and use them for good. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. We will always make mistakes. But I believe that's what asking for forgiveness, that's what asking for a little bit of guidance is all about. So be good, make smart choices, and know that you are fully and wholly loved in your entirety.